0: I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message.
1: So I got kind of a weird question to ask you to start. What got you out of bed this morning? Jesus,
0: good, awesome. Okay, she wins the gold star, all right. But, but I mean, seriously, take a moment and think about, you were in bed, why in the world did you get out of bed? Like, what, what, what was it that actually made you get up? More than likely, more than likely, it had something to do with a desire. You had a desire for something. May, hopefully it was for Jesus, and you wanted to get up and spend some time with Him. Um, maybe it was just to spend some time in the quiet before the kids woke up. That you just, you, may, maybe, I mean, sorry, uh, we're, we're, we're real here. Maybe you just had to go to the bathroom. Like, I, I don't know. You know. But the truth is, you got out of bed today because of some kind of desire in your life. And when we look at our lives, so much of our life is spent chasing after desires. So much of why we do what we do is because there's something we desire. There's something that we are striving after. There is something that we are hoping to gain. And I'm not here to tell you that's wrong. But what I'm hoping that as we look through this series that we've been doing, talking about why all the hurry, That we would actually take in the beginning of 2022 and just stop and consider why. Why are we allowing the different hurries in our lives? Not all of them are bad. I'm not saying you should never be in a hurry. But sometimes our hurries are being motivated by desires that may or may not be building into us the healthiest habits. And so, whenever we start a new year, we want to put in good habits. We want to take time and consider, what was I doing last year that I don't need to be doing? Or what was I not doing last year that maybe I should be doing? And so, as we've been taking time to go through this series, we've been trying to look at some spiritual habits that, some of which we probably haven't looked at before as a church. Maybe you have spent time diving into this individually, but... We want to make sure that we take some time and look at these and see, are these things that we need to be incorporated into our lives, into our spirituality, into the rhythms of what we do as a church? Because if we're not careful, we will continually be drawn and driven by our desires. I mean, answer this question. I mean, you don't have to do it out loud, but just think in your heart. What would it take for you to be completely and totally desire free? What would it take for you to be able to say you've been fulfilled in every possible way? The truth is that will never happen. For you to be able to say that, you will have to have experienced everything. You will have to have gone everywhere. You will have to have spent time with every person and everything that you could possibly do. God's created this universe that's too big for us. There's there's so much beyond. Like, I love to travel, and I would love to say that I could go to every country in the world. But even if I've never gotten there, or even if I got a passport stamp for all of those places... There's no way I could see everything there is to see in every country in one lifetime. And we've been going through this book, uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, by John Mark Comer. And he puts it this way, he he made a really good uh, analogy, uh, an equation for why we experience all this hurry. He said, infinite desire minus a finite soul equals restlessness. There's infinite desire. There's
1: infinite things that you can experience, but you have limited resources. And that leads to restlessness. And the problem is that restlessness
0: is what drives so much of the world around us. It's what pushes people harder and faster. It's what makes people get into high-octane jobs where they neglect family and they neglect everything else just so that they can get to the top, only to find out it's just as lonely up there. And we are being bombarded with our phones, with our televisions, with everything, saying you need more, you need to do more, you need to be more, you need to experience more.
1: Well, maybe it's time that we rest. We've been... Revisiting this
0: one passage that Jesus spoke over his disciples. An invitation. Because it's an invitation that I feel we don't take advantage of. Maybe because we don't fully understand it. And that's why we've spent some time in it this year. But it's a simple invitation. And I want to read it for us again one more time, slowly.
1: And let this wash over us. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy
0: burdens, and I will give you
1: rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Let's just take a moment and drink that in for a second. This is what we've been invited to. Something that is easy and light. Too often, even Christianity
0: becomes about doing more, being more, chasing more. Listen, we're, we're trying to build a kingdom. I get it. But it's supposed to be
1: easy. And it's supposed to be light. And so today, I want to preach a message called Let It Rest.
0: Let it rest. Let, let's learn what it means to actually live in this rest. I don't think Jesus' invitation for us to rest was something we were only supposed to experience once we get to heaven. I think we're supposed to be getting tastes of it here and now. And that's why last week we looked at the discipline of silence and solitude. I don't know if you had opportunity to spend time doing that this last week, but I hope you did. Also, if you did, you may recognize this is something that's everywhere right now. Everyone is talking about this, only they call it something completely different. It's called mindfulness. Everywhere you can. You can't go anywhere right now without seeing books on mindfulness or hearing podcasts about mindfulness or all all this stuff about mindfulness. Do you know what mindfulness is? It's silence and solitude without Jesus, the best part. Jesus was saying this long ago. The Bible has been teaching this for a lot of years, this mindfulness concept that you're taking time and sending yourself every day. But they didn't leave it there in the Bible. They actually
1: take it to a whole new level. Actually, it all started at a whole new level with this thing called Sabbath. See,
0: Sabbath was a day in the Jewish calendar that was set aside once a week. It was a day that no work was to be done, and that you were to follow certain regulations. The problem is, by the time Jesus came along, the Pharisees and the religious people had taken something that was supposed to be about rest. And put a bunch of restrictions on it. And put a bunch of stipulations on it. And, and, put, and wrapped it all up in all these things. Like you were allowed to go for a walk, but if you went for a walk carrying a stick, that was called work. You know, and, and so like they, they got all of these things twisted. And, and you, could, you, know, you could do this, but you couldn't do that. And so Jesus came And I don't know if you recognize this about Jesus, but he really messed with religious people. He came along and and he was always pushing against regulations that people put on the word of God that weren't really there. And so one particular Sabbath, one of these days that were set apart for rest, Jesus was going and, and he was teaching in the synagogues and he was out for a walk either before or after being at a synagogue and the Pharisees were paying attention to him and they caught his disciples just trying to eat some food. But they weren't eating food the way that the Pharisees thought they should. And so I want to read this passage for us that uh, we find it in Matthew but we also find it in Mark chapter 2 that This story of Jesus encountering these Pharisees and dealing with this religious heart behind the idea of Sabbath. So, if you wouldn't mind standing with me, we want to honor God's word, and we want to read uh, this passage right here. Mark chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 28 and reading it today of the New Living Translation. And this is how it reads. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, His disciples began to break off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, and not people to meet the needs, or the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son, So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it contains. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would illuminate it to us here this morning so that we could walk out of here different, so that we could really experience the rest and the peace and the easy and light life that Jesus promised us. Jesus, we thank you for everything you did to secure that for us. And that's why right now we pray this thing in your name. Amen. Amen. Before you see it, why don't you wave at a person or two. Let them know that you are excited to be worshiping with them. If you're online, let us know you're here. But here Jesus comes into this situation, and he is going after the religious people. And and here's the truth. They had turned this into a religious exercise. They had taken something that was supposed to be beautiful and put so many restrictions and so many burdens that as Jesus pointed out, they were living as though man was created to fulfill all of the requirements of the Sabbath. Like, that's why God created man, so that they could follow this religious law. But Jesus was saying the whole reason the Sabbath was given was so that it could bless man. Now, in America... I don't think we have to worry too much about the religious restrictions placed around Sabbath because we just don't do it. It's not that we have all of these requirements and we have all of these regulations. It's that we have completely ignored it. That because there has been abuse so much in the past, this is not something the modern church has to worry about because we just don't do it. We don't have to worry about doing it too religiously because it's just not being done at all. Now, I can't say that entirely. There are, there are people, there are groups of people, there are religious institutions that take this very seriously still today. But I think it's something that has become a lost discipline of the church. And I want to take some time today and look at it. And so the spiritual discipline we're looking at today is this thing called Sabbath. So, where do we get Sabbath? Where, where does this word come from? How do we even come to this idea of Sabbath? A day of rest. Well, it starts all the way in the beginning. If you're familiar with the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God created everything that we see. In six days, He created everything. But then something specific happened. On the seventh day. In Genesis chapter 2, in verses 2 and 3, we read, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because it was the day he rested from all his work of creation. So, Right here, right in the beginning, we see God resting. And this was supposed to be a pattern. He created this pattern for us. That we would work for six days and rest for one. Work for six days and rest for one. This is something that is built into the DNA of, of our world. People who are smarter than me have done research and found out that the maximum number of hours of productivity at work is typically 50 hours, which is about a six-day work week. They found there is little more productivity given by a worker who works 75 hours over someone who works 55. Like, it's indistinguishable, the amount of productivity that gets done between those two workers. So this is something that we were designed for. And it was something that it was designed for not just the people, but the nation, the agriculture. There were supposed to be Sabbaths of the land. I really like what one ancient, or not ancient, but uh, older Presbyterian pastor once said about this. He says, if you go, you can go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. You go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. And I believe that happens when you go against Sabbath. You get splinters. Don't believe me? The whole reason the people of God went into exodus, or into exile, sorry, one of the justifications in the Bible was because they hadn't been giving the land a Sabbath rest. They hadn't been stopping and Taking their yearly, or every seven years, they were supposed to let the land rest, but they didn't do it. And so they were in captivity for 70 years. And God said it was the same number of Sabbaths you missed. A very real, recent example of this can be seen in this recent lockdown we went through please don't hear me say anything other than I don't understand why we walk through this. I don't know why we've gone through the pandemic. I don't know why all of this stuff, but maybe it was so that we would take a rest. The entire world was put on a Sabbath. And the world responded. Like the natural world responded. They were able to track animal patterns more clearly while everyone was on lockdown because there was no noise that we were creating. Beyond that, our environments cleared up. There's this uh, website called Insider.com. It used to be Business Insider. They put out this amazing article showing the difference in pollution levels in major cities around the world right before the lockdowns and right after. So Milan... In Italy, it's considered one of the most polluted, like air pollution countries in the world. And so this was taken in, I believe, October or January of um, either 2019 or 2020. And this was taken in April of 2020. Amazing. Amazing. New Delhi in India also is one of those places. They say the, the, the pollution there is so thick, it's like having a frog in your throat continually. It's, it's just awful. So this was taken in January of 2020. This one was taken in April of 2020. And we here in America, we're not exempt. We, we've got our, our bad cities too, probably the worst of which is Los Angeles.
1: Los Angeles is known for three things movie stars, lots of cars, and smog. So this was taken uh, sometime before the lockdown. This
0: was taken in April of 2020. It's so clear, you
1: can actually see the details of the sand. Gabriel Mountains in the background. It's almost like we needed the rest. It's almost like the country, the world needed the reset.
0: Again, I'm not saying that's why it happened. I'm just saying it's interesting. Another article that I read talked about these this study that was done almost ten years ago now, where they were looking at these people groups that lived longer than other people. And they found different groups of people all over the world. You know, I, I know there was a group in Italy, like a, a small community in Italy, where the people who lived there, you know, had unusually long lifespans for that region. There's, I also want to say, like, in Okinawa, Japan, there's a group of people that, you know, and, and really they don't know if it's all environmental, if it's the way they eat, if it's just you know, a group of people that have really good genes because of this small area. We, they, they were trying to figure all that out. Um, but most of these groups of people were outside of the United States with one exception. There was a group of people in the United States that lived longer by average than any other group of people. It was seven-day Adventists. Seven-day Adventists are people who are literally religious about keeping the Sabbath. Seven-day Adventists live, on average, 10 years longer than other Americans. And if you figure that out over 70 years, like how many Sabbaths you could get in in 70 years, it ends up being about 10 years. So, everyone's chasing after the fountain of youth. They want to live longer. Maybe we need to consider what God said thousands of years ago. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So what, what is Sabbath exactly? What, what, what does this mean? Like, Again, we, we, you probably heard the stories. You probably read it a little bit. You may, maybe the word is just completely foreign to you. Well, it should be because it's a foreign word. But, but let's, let, let's look at it. Sabbath is a Hebrew word that comes from the word Shabbat. And Even today, the Jewish people who are religious about this, they still celebrate Shabbat. It begins at sundown on Friday night and ends on sundown Saturday night. But the word Shabbat, it literally means to stop. But it can also mean to delight. So it means to stop or to delight. So when you think about Shabbat,
1: when you think about Sabbath, and as you start to pray about, how does this fit into my life? Comer, in the
0: book, he comes up with a couple of questions that you should ask. If you're really serious about, hey, maybe we should try this. Maybe I should try taking Sabbath as a serious thing in my life. There's a couple of questions that you can ask yourself when you're considering... Does this fit into, into the idea of a Sabbath? And, and how do you fill your time? And the questions are, what could you do for 24 hours that would fill my soul with a deep, throbbing joy that would make me spontaneously combust with
1: wonder, awe, gratitude, and praise? What could you do that would allow you just to feel the wonder, to stop and just be in awe of who God is and what He has done? You look at this passage
0: that Jesus or that God rested
1: on the seventh day. Was God tired? Was he in need of a nap? No. But he was setting
0: a pattern for us. And if you realize, when it says he rested, that's that same word,
1: Shabbat. So he was resting and taking delight in everything that he had created.
0: And then he invited us to once a week stop
1: and take delight in him and in all that he's created. When we think about this, there's a couple of ideas that it comes when it comes to the idea of Sabbath.
0: Because here's the thing, we just don't do it. We don't do it. Maybe we take
1: a day off. Maybe you go to church. Maybe. But that's not the same thing as Sabbath.
0: Because oftentimes, if you're anything like me, when you take a day off, it's not really a day off. You're doing yard work. You're catching up on bills. You're you know, doing that stuff you couldn't get done at the office. Or you know, you're out shopping or adventuring or doing something. Sabbath was meant to be pulling away and just resting. And so there's a couple of reasons in the Bible that we're told Sabbath was given. The first set of reasons was, it was for rest
1: and worship. It was for rest and worship. The Israelites were saved by God out of Egypt. They were miraculously brought out. And when they were brought out of Egypt, God gave
0: them this list. You may have heard of it. It's called the Ten Commandments. It's probably the most famous list in all of the world. And did you know that one item on that list takes up
1: 30% of the words on the list? It's the command to Sabbath. And so when they came out from
0: slavery, God gave them this list. And the first time around, In Exodus chapter 20, he says, this is why you're supposed to do this. First of all, he says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I find it interesting, Sabbath is the only spiritual discipline to make it on the list. Prayer didn't make it on the list. Going to church didn't make it on the list.
1: Tithing didn't even make it on the list. But he said to rest one
0: day a week. Remember it. Keep it holy. And then at the end of this command is this justification for why they were to do it. In verse 11, For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day day, and
1: said it, Apart as holy. It was set apart for worship. It was set apart to
0: rest because this was the pattern God had given. But then, 40 years later, after they had wandered in the wilderness and an entire generation had died in the wilderness,
1: Moses has to remind them of these commands. And he gives them a different reason. He talks about resistance. That the Sabbath was given as resistance. In Deuteronomy
0: 20, where he's speaking to this next generation and reminding them of these commandments,
1: he says this in verse 12, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Did you notice the slight difference? Rather than him saying, remember, this time he says, observe. How does that work? What what does it mean to observe something? Well, think about Christmas. Think
0: about Thanksgiving. What does it mean to observe a holiday like that? It usually means you've got it on the calendar, you're preparing in advance for it, you're getting sure, make sure you got the yams and the turkey and, and things are thawing out at the right time, that the right relatives have been invited or uninvited. You know, that, you know there, there's, this, there's this whole thing that goes into observance. So here, we're getting a glimpse that Sabbath was something that was supposed to be prepared for. If you're going to do Sabbath right, you have to live the other six days differently. You just can't bumble into Sabbath. It has to be observed. It has to be prepared for. But then, at the end of the command, Moses completely changes the justification. Remember, the first time we did it because this, we were following the pattern that God had set down for us. But listen to what he says to this generation. In verse 15, it says, Remember, that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the
1: Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the seventh day. Completely different justification. Why? What was different? Why, why did... God changed
0: the wording here. Why did Moses choose to tell this generation something different than he told the other generation? I think possibly because this was the first generation to be raised up in freedom. It was the first generation that got to choose what they were going to do. That they got to have a say in how they were going to live. But most of them at least had hints of Egypt. Most of them had probably some patterns that were developed from years of being the children of slaves. See, these, these kids who were getting this revelation, I mean, they probably weren't kids, but these people who were getting this revelation were the first people who were free. Their, their parents were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. Their great-grandparents were slaves. But now they had an opportunity to push against slavery, to push against the standards of the world. One of the reasons I believe we have Sabbath is so that we can resist the hurry of this world, that we can pull away from the things that this world says are important. And we're not chasing the same things. Because I'm here to tell you that Egypt is still alive and well. The Spirit still exists in the world today. In American culture, man, we are the pinnacle of it. We can't be chasing after what the world chases after. There's this... This group called Credit Seuss, and they do a annual global analysis of what 's going on with the world and where where wealth is landing and and, and how different things and different organizations and institutions use their findings to figure out how are they going to do marketing, where are they going to go after, how are they going to you know basically exploit the wealthy and, and unfortunately probably to a point exploit the unwealthy i mean here in America we think You know, there's some of us, we think we're poor, but there's not a person here in this room that understands poverty more than likely to a level that the world sees it. If you're here in this room, if you're watching us online, you're wealthy. The fact that you have the ability to be here, that you probably drove in a car, or at least you have more than one pair of shoes that allowed you to be here. You have a toothbrush of your own rather than having to share with someone else in your family. You're wealthy. We don't think about that kind of stuff, but you're wealthy. So this organization, every year, they do this analysis and then they have this thing that they call the Global Wealth Pyramid. And so if you look at this pyramid, you're probably in the upper 45% of the most wealthy people in the world. If you have either, as an adult, if you have either $10,000 in the bank or the ability to earn $10,000 this next year, you are among the wealthiest people in the world. And the truth is, that bottom 55%, They still fill the weight of slavery. Slavery has not gone away. It's still alive and well. Many people who live in that bottom quadrant live to supply the needs of our country. They're the ones who are making your shoes, making your clothes, making that nice new iPad or iPhone. They're the ones who are doing it, oftentimes working 12 hours a day in oppressively hot factories, sometimes under the boot of tyranny, not getting paid what they deserve or maybe not even getting paid at all. You see, when it comes to Egypt, it is hell if you are on the bottom part of the pyramid. But it's not half bad if you're American. I mean, Egyptian. I mean, we need to recognize this is out there. And the, one of the ways we resist this is by taking a day to say, I will not, this day at least, participate
1: in the slavery around the world. I'm not going to get online and buy things. I'm not going to go out shopping.
0: I'm not going to anesthetize myself by spending time watching a movie, binging on Netflix
1: or, or just chasing after more money. I'm going to take an entire day and I'm going to resist that. And I'm going to rest and I'm going to worship. Ask yourself when you do this is what I'm doing restful is what I'm doing worshipful.
0: And the beautiful part about that is that incorporates all of us. You you can you can worship, you can rest differently than the person next to you. Just because you're an outgoing person doesn't mean you have to rest the way I do as an introvert. You, you figure out what is restful, what is worshipful for you, and spend 24 hours
1: doing that. I can't tell you what it's going to look like, but what I hope it does is it, at least for that time, it quiets the desires. Those desires
0: that seem to drive us in every which direction, it takes a, a moment and it quiets them.
1: It slows them down. And we say, I will not bow to the God of hurry any longer. It might mean you need to take your cell phones and lock them in a closet for 24 hours.
0: It it, it might mean you need to prepare and observe it. Like, take and prepare meals ahead of time so that you're not... Slaving over a stove, or maybe like have a big crockpot meal that you have ready that you can just throw together, and it's nice and easy, and it's resting while you're resting. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I don't want to be legalistic. I don't want to slap you on the hand because you carried a stick on
1: the Sabbath. Figure out what works for you. But I really, this is something that God has really been dealing with my heart on, that
0: we don't do this enough. We don't take this seriously. It's still one of the Ten Commandments. I don't believe it has to be legalistically followed from Friday night to Saturday night. But I think it needs to be there weekly. I think God's big enough that you can have some flex. Like, man, if this week, this day is going to be crazy, I put it someplace else. But I don't go a week without doing it. And if I miss a week, I put it back on the calendar next week. You find a way to live in this rhythm. Here's the thing. Are we obligated as Christians to take a Sabbath? I don't know. There's people who are really smart, smarter than me, who would say no. There's people who are really smart, who are smarter than me, who would say yes. But, But here's the thing. This shouldn't be something that we have to do. This should be something we want to do. I mean, isn't it crazy that God has to command us to rest? It's almost like commanding us to eat ice cream. Or to go enjoy a sunset. Like, you will have a good time. I want a Sabbath because it's good for me. Because it restores me. Because it teaches my family what it is to value God first. So, let's not follow after Egypt. Isn't it amazing they chose a pyramid to show the wealth mismanagement the wealth unequal distribution it's still alive let's resist it and let's find a time in our weekly schedule to rest and to worship so let's live it out this week i want to encourage you this week find a time to fast we are in the last week as of the daniel fast as a church If you haven't been participating in it to this point, you lose your spiritual inheritance. No, I'm kidding. No. There's no judgment. The whole thing has been a time for us to do this as a family together. But if you haven't been able to do it, that's okay. Find some time this week and fast. You don't have to do the Daniel fast for the whole rest of the seven days. You don't have to Daniel fast at all. You can find something else. You can fast from technology. You can fast. But do something this week that is going to pull your heart away from the hurry and pull your heart back towards God. And then, practice Sabbath. And here's what I understand. It takes practice. You're not going to get it right, right away. You're going against an entire American culture with everything in it built to try to stoke your desires for more. But take some time and practice. Maybe you only can give it four hours this week. That's okay. Start small. Do something. Pick a time where you're going to say, I'm going to take this period of time and I'm going to practice. Here's the thing. When I did my spiritual, the, the silent prayer retreat back last October, God was already dealing with me about this. And if you remember in September... I had actually talked about this. I talked about Sabbath and, and talked that this is something I'm trying to figure out. And it was interesting, when we were at the retreat, he highlighted Sabbath. And he reprimanded, was a bunch of Assemblies of God pastors, and he reprimanded us. He's like, I've been attending Assemblies of God churches for 40 years. I don't remember once hearing a sermon on Sabbath. And his wife told him, that, well, people don't preach out of their weakness. So, in the church in America, we're not preaching this because it's not an area that we're strong in. I'm here preaching out of my weakness. I'm telling you, I'm practicing this. I don't have it right yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. Why don't you practice with me? Why don't we figure out ways to encourage one another to practice this out, to live it out? When I shared this last in September, One of the things I said as I was praying about it, the thing that just jumped off the page for me is it's a lot like tithing. God says, give me the first 10% and see if I don't take the next 90 and blow your mind with how I can take that 90% and use it far better than if you were to hold on to an entire 100. I think the same thing is true. And I think the seven-day Adventists are proving it. That if you're serious about this, if you're serious about taking a day, I believe it's going to elongate your life. It's going to make your life healthier, happier, more in tune with the rhythms of God and out of tune with the rhythms of the world. So let's practice that this week. And then this week, let's focus on God's grace. Let's not make it legalistic. Let's remember why Jesus died so that we could have freedom, but the freedom to live in this in a way that gives him honor. And so take some time this week. Pick one of the Gospels and look at the Passion Week of Christ leading up to and including His crucifixion. We're going to end our fast next week with a time of communion and a time of prayer. Let's do it having spent time this week looking at why we can even celebrate this because of Jesus' sacrifice because of what he has done, he has broken the power of Egypt over us. Let's live that way this week. And then finally, tell me what you're, tell me what you're learning. You know, somebody asked me if we're going to have a testimony time. Yes, it's called texting me. <laughs> Text me and let me know what you're learning. I'd love to hear it. And I'm sure there's people here who would love to hear it. And maybe we can curate some of those and let more people hear about what God's been teaching you during this fast or what God's teaching
1: you about Sabbath. Let's be a people who live this out. So speaking of rest, I'm going to rest.
0: And I'm going to worship here. And I'm going to invite you to do the same. So why don't we stand? We're going to sing one more song. And we've gone a little long, but that's okay. You were Sabbathing today anyway, right? You're not hurrying off to anything else. So we're going to sing one more song. And just consider, what does it mean to really Sabbath? What does it mean to say, I'm going to give Jesus everything. I'm going to be still and let Him be God. So, let me... Pray over us, and then you respond however you need to. We'll probably have some prayer people around uh, the corners here. If you need somebody to pray with you, come find somebody. Let let them pray with you. But I'm gonna bless us, and then we're gonna worship, and we're gonna choose to be a people who rest and delight in God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this gift of Sabbath. Help us to remember it. Help us to observe it. Help us to live our other six days differently. So that when we get to a time of rest, it's just that. It's rest. It's worship. It's a time to turn off the spinning thing in our head that's telling us what's not getting done. recognize the most important thing is time at your feet. That we would be not like Martha who was busy worrying about all sorts of things but we would be like Mary worshiping at your feet one day a week. And that nothing would be able to pull us away from that. God, we we give you this day. Be glorified through us. And as we leave this place, Jesus, I pray that you would bless us and you would protect us. That you would be gracious toward us and smile upon us. And that every day we would walk in your favor, in your rest, and in your peace. So we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a restful week.